Hello. There we go. Dirty Tricks um, music, <laughs> which means it's time time for drive through HR, and it's a it's a it's a tricky episode today, huh? Uh, huh, Mike? What do you say? Right, right. Hi, Robin. Yeah. So, so the trick the tricky episode is we had two guests that were supposed to join us, and both guests, for uh, I guess reasons somewhat beyond their control, uh, had to had to bail. So we've got a, an open show with uh, open air time. So we're gonna. I guess make something up as we go as best we can. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and and like I said to a couple of people, uh, you know, I kind of like it. It's it's a uh, it's a little bit of a throwback to the drive-through HR origins. Um, right. When um, <laughs> you know when Brian would would open up his newspaper from that morning or see what was trending on the internet and. And drive a discussion off of it. So, I Brian like would uh, read. Yeah, Brian would read from the Wall Street Journal, which is kind of funny. And um, <laughs> and um, um sorry. Um, I'm I'm trying to do too many things at one time, so I'm going to stop doing those other things. Yeah. So yeah, Brian would read, read from the Wall Street Journal, and coincidentally, I just tried to. I just got off the phone with the Wall Street Journal because I was canceling the digital edition that I've subscribed to for subscribing to for a few years, <laughs> putting a little year end austerity budget in place. And uh they uh I said please you know, I just want to cancel and they, they are very resistant to you canceling. They're they're very polite, but they're very firm about we you want to maintain a relationship. We'll give you the lowest rate possible. And I'm like, no, I just want to cancel and I finally had to yep. say like, listen, I've told you three times, now please and then and then they did. And then they told me they would welcome me back with open arms. So I felt very, I felt it was very passive aggressive. But anyway, they're they have good yeah. they have good news resources. But yeah, their their uh, customer service folks are tough. So I cracked them and got rid of my well, you're, subscriptions. You're, you're just gonna get you know three emails a day uh, from them now because right. I right I recently canceled a um, a New York Times subscription, and uh, I think I get I get three emails emails a day. So yeah. Yeah, when it is <sighs> a regular, regular customer, they give you the, the the discount rates they offer you when you leave, right? So they, anyway, exactly. And, but that's, that's not what we want our show to be about. This is not a customer service slash complaint show. So let's let's. Uh, no, what no. are we going to talk about? So you know, there's a couple of uh, a couple of I think kind of meaty meaty topics um, that we were you know tossing around this morning a little bit. Um, that I think are interesting, and um, the first one um, comes to us courtesy of um, the EEOC, who yesterday um, released a um, a statement that they had settled a lawsuit, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give credit where credit is due because um, Eric Meyer, who actually now that I think about it, we need to get on the show one time. He's um, mm-hmm. he's just a fantastic um, uh, employment attorney and, and you know uh, employer side attorney and just a prolific writer and he's just he's a wonderful speaker. But anyway, 
Um, he he does a really good job of kind of capturing these things for folks. Uh, so I'm giving him a shout out. His his shout out is is uh, go visit his his blog at theemployerhandbook.com. But anyway, he mm-hmm. he kind of captured the essence of this settlement yesterday, which I which I found very interesting. Um, so it's um, the lawsuit was originally filed in 2013 so six years this is six years that this has been lending its way through through all sorts of maneuvers um and the lawsuit was filed against um dollar general um i don't know if you Mm -hmm. have those by by you but we've got just you know tons of them here in baton rouge and i think um, they're the fastest growing retailer in the united states or or were in the last couple years because they just keep adding stores all over especially in the rural areas yeah yeah and um, they they certainly are ubiquitous here, so I can believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, uh, so the lawsuit had um, alleged that Dollar General um, violated federal law, um, specifically by um, denying employment to African Americans at a higher rate than than white applicants, and mm-hmm. due to their use of um, criminal a very broad as they find a very broad criminal background check. And so as the settlement came out, you know, Dollar General did not admit any liability, um, but is going to pay six million dollars to settle. And in order for them to continue using um background checks and, and to consider criminal history when they're making those hiring decisions, they have to do a bunch of other things. They have to um, engage with a consultant who will be mutually agreed upon by both Dollar General and the EEOC and take a look at their entire process and make recommendations. Mm-hmm. Now, this sounds like something smart that, you know, most organizations, especially of their size and scope, should be doing anyway. Um, but what they want to look at um, or what this consultant will be tasked with looking at is all the, you know, kind of all the case records, you know, any depositions taken, any documents that have that have come out of this actual lawsuit, um, the consultant's going to look at, you know, what's, what's sort of the, the relevant research and information out there on the use of criminal history for making hiring decisions, um, is going to be looking at helping Dollar General really sort of take a look at, is, are, are their criteria appropriate? Um, what are they looking at exactly, you know, when they're looking at and determining somebody has failed that background check? Is it, you know, and is it appropriate number of past offenses, the, the time that's passed since the offense, you know, what the nature of that offense was? Um, and then, of course, looking at, well, what does the job entail? What is um, what is the risk to the company of employing someone with, a you know criminal background type of thing um and i you know nature of the job duties and and you know their access to cash or whatever it may be and really just making sure that they've got us at the end of the day that they've got a sound process for it so i you know i think it's interesting i mean it's such a huge um again huge retailer huge employer probably you know massive number of candidates my assumption is that, you know, the the recruiters, you know, the folks that are dealing with that top of funnel 
they probably just have thousands and thousands of applicants, and they probably have been mm-hmm. using background checks to kind of weed out, you know, uh, make it a more manageable process. Obviously, you can't even do the background checks until post-offer, and they have to imply, right. comply with their Credit Reporting Act and all that. But at, at, at some point, and I'm, you know, I'm just making this assumption. I've never worked for Dollar General, but it's, you know, nobody really stopped and thought, does this continue to make sense? Um, are we looking at any disparate impact that this practice is having, which obviously was the nexus of the whole lawsuit that they they were having a disparate impact and weren't taking a look at that. But, you know, how do they... How do you how do you use criminal background checks in this day and age? I think is is the crux of the question. We're seeing that more and more mm-hmm. with you know ban the box legislation and um, you know just this. I think good realization on the part of society to say you know just because somebody did something once in their life doesn't mean they should be barred from making a living for the rest of their life. I think um, so a couple things. One is I'm I'm by no means an expert on Dollar General specifically, but I do know uh, a little bit, uh, you know, from my retail days with Publix, like I don't know how Dollar General does their recruiting and hiring, but the, the, the hiring function at Publix, which, you know, had 1200 stores and I'm pretty sure, Dollar General probably has, you know, exponentially higher numbers than that. Yeah. You know, the stores themselves, like if you look at a Dollar General store, I'm pretty sure their model, in fact, I've, I've had a little discussion with somebody about this, but, you know, again, I, I don't want to, I don't know that I got everything exactly right with what I'm going to say here, but it's it's somewhere along these lines. Typically, you know, like at a public store, you know, you have like about 140 uh, associates that cover, you know, the seven-day you know, 7 a.m. to yeah. 11 yep. p.m. or whatever, you know, retail hours are, right? For Dollar General, you know, they're running a 10 to a 99 or a 10 to 9 or something. And, you know, their stores are much smaller. So they all, they only yeah. have two or three employees in the store at any given time, right? And they may only have a workforce of, gosh, I don't know, 8, 10, 15 maybe, you know, something like that. Well, so the store um, itself, right? Yeah. Here's their statistics. 15,000 stores. Wow. In 44 states and approximately 129,000 employees. Okay. So hey, how many stores again? 5,000, 15,000. 15,000 stores. So that, so that, yeah. So that, yeah, it's like eight to 10 employees per store. Probably one of those, yeah. one of those is a manager. Um, maybe, maybe has an assistant manager. I don't know. Then you know, so it's basically almost all non, almost all non-exempts or you know non-salaried yeah. employees, you know, and doing everything right. They're doing they're doing stocking, they're doing you know receiving and shipping and and cashiering and all that stuff. Um, but uh, and they, I don't have any idea what their you know like their rates of pay are, or their but their turn you know but they're in these as you know like you said they're in Louisiana they tend not to be. In the, I mean, they're not in big malls, right? They're in, you know, they're right. they're in urban areas and they're in rural areas, and rural. they're trying mm-hmm. to cater to a very distinct market. So, you know, it's 
it's it's a really interesting equation, I think, to see how they how they do their hiring at Publix, the store in retail, the stores, you know, were responsible for their own hiring, right? And then for the right. corporate and and for the you know what we call support, there you know there were other functions, right? So, but Publix used to process over a million resumes a year for their 1,200 stores and, and all the allied support. I don't know what. You know, I'm sure Dollar General has distribution centers and truck drivers, and you know, I don't know if they contract yeah. that stuff. Out. You know, but it's it's got to be you know pretty complex. And so, but if they're hiring, you know, just a limited amount of people, and especially in rural areas, you know, they're I'm, I can only imagine that their talent pipeline isn't you know or funnel or whatever you want to call it. Probably, you know, it's probably not the most. They're probably not attracting the the cream of the crop from the you know, from yeah. the workforce either, you know, so the, and then they're, then I guess the conundrum they have is they only have two or three people in the store at any given time. So you've got, and, and they got the keys and everything, right? So, you, you know, the, yeah. the goal is to try to hire qualified people and make sure that, you know, that they're, they're honest and trustworthy and all of that. And, and they, I guess they just got, got caught, you know, I, I know they didn't admit anything that they didn't admit any liability, but it sounds like their system um, and the changes that you talked about kind of just, you know, kind of work together to catch up with them and maybe, yeah. maybe overwhelm them a little bit. But I also, you know, I wonder like, you know, they, I, it's probably pretty tough to do any kind of um, really good. Um, if if the stores are doing the hiring as they did at Publix, I guess, and that's an assumption I'm making. Um, if that's mm-hmm. the case, you know, you've got pretty unskilled people run in a lot of the selection process, even if the background checks right. and everything are centralized. Right. right? Um, so it, it's a, t- that's a tough, I mean, that's a tough position to be in, I think, you know, and I, and I can see how they could have got tripped up by that pretty easily, especially yeah. trying to qualify, you know, hire qualified quote unquote qualified people, you know? So, yeah. Don't know. Well, and I've, you know, I've, um, I've interviewed and um, brought on board my fair share of people that have worked for Dollar General, Family Dollar, kind of those sorts of, um, you know, their competitors. Um, they don't they don't pay a lot. Um, they are fairly low paying. They are usually, um, you know, like a like a lot of sort of retail organizations. The goal is let's have as many part-time people as possible so that we right. don't have to pay benefits. Um, so they are certainly not a they're not a they're not the sorts of jobs that are often career <laughs> career goals for people, I guess we could say, not to not to take anything away from from folks that are working there because there certainly are people that make their career in retail or move into store manager positions. But I think, you know, the vast majority of of their 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 applicants, their candidates, um, you know, they're go they're probably going there because it's close, it's convenient, it's a job, it's something to do, and it yeah, it just seems like potentially it's a, a you know a systemic issue, um, perhaps on 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 the part of the company. You certainly don't can't go in and assume that they had any nefarious intent. Um, you know, to treat people differently. But I think, it, you know, I guess the, the takeaway lesson from it for me is um, don't, as as a company, no, whether you're small or huge like that, don't get caught into this, just let the system keep running 
um, mm. without stopping to take a look at, um, you know, again, what are, what are the outcomes of that system, um, which sounds like is where they got caught up in it potentially, you know, six-plus years ago where it, something came to the surface that, um, boy, we seem to have, you know, we're hiring a, we're hiring a whole lot less of our African American applicants than we are of our of our white applicants, and why is that? And and right. any sort of company, whether they have to or not, needs to stop and take a look at that kind of stuff. And I you know I think that's really kind of the big the big lesson from it for me um, is it it may not feel it may not feel broken because you're in it and you're using it every day, but mm-hmm. you can't not take a look at it. You can't not keep these things in front of you, and especially around now the use of background checks because we're having so much dialogue around it um, that it's you know it's an opportunity for companies to really kind of take a look a look at that. What what are the criteria? When do we decide? You know. Um, that you know what defines a quote clean background check because I've seen that I've seen that phrase used in job postings must have a quote clean background check. Well, what does that mean? What what does that mean? Does that mean nothing? Um, mm-hmm. Or you know, five years ago you were caught with a, a nickel bag of weed in your pocket and you got a misdemeanor. Does that mean it's not a clean? You don't have a clean background. You know, so I think uh, I think that's the. That's the lesson, really, for for HR folks is to take a look at that. The uh, I didn't get to read the piece that you cited from. I didn't see all of, of Eric's. I saw the headline and I I put the link out uh, on Twitter to for Q, you know, for Q members uh, and that kind yeah. of stuff. Because I, I, but you you mentioned the whole uh, consultant thing, I, you know, having to work with a consultant. Yeah. So that sounds like that that's not on that's not a specific like they don't have to have a a consulting holding their hand on every hire you're, that's kind of a, no. a a review of their overall process is that what they agreed to yes. kind of to overhaul yeah, everything right right go ahead sorry no and there may there's maybe so that's kind of like a high overview of what the consultant is supposed to do you know so there's maybe some parameters in there that for you know what it, what that oversight needs to look like so in the, you know, was there any issue. reference? Um, I'm just curious. Was there any reference to what they're going to do in the interest? Because that sounds like that's a pretty, uh, you know, that's a pretty hefty yeah, process. Yeah, it, um, it. No, it didn't speak to necessarily the the interim. So um, they they, well, they didn't the, necessarily the, the agree to stop the that, background checks. Yes, that that's really the the caveat is if they want to continue to use criminal history in their hiring decisions, then they have to use the consultant. So if they, it it sounds like if they would say, oh, you know, okay, we're fine, we just won't use criminal history at all in our background check, then they're Mm -hmm. fine and they don't have to engage with the consultant. But if they say, yes, we do want to, we feel that's important, it is, you know, to safeguard our assets or whatever, we do want to continue using criminal history um, as part of that selection process, then in order to do that, they have to use this, use a consultant or engage with the yeah. consultant. So. Um, it's been a while since I did, you know, 
recruiting of that sort. Like it's been a, a long while, like decades or more. <laughs> um, I guess maybe night two thousand five or so, two thousand six, and we weren't really. Mm. We were. I was hiring specialized technical people at that time, even though they were hourly. Yeah. So you know, we were less concerned about their, back, you know, their criminal back. I mean, it's not that we didn't care. We just kind of did a full background search, but the rules were a lot different, and so was the the economy at the time. Um, you worked in the in the uh, in the casino business, which is of course handling mm-hmm. money and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would assume that a background check is is a pretty critical piece in that industry, yeah. as it would be in retail. Yeah, and or, and there's um, you know there were special um, um, special parameters and special circumstances for us. Um, you know, so each in the U.S. each each state that allows gaming, um, whether that be casinos or whether that be lottery, um, each state will usually have um, some sort of state statute or some sort of state directive in place for the granting mm-hmm. of, in in our case, you know, the gaming license um, or anybody working on the premises or being on the property of a casino. And then when I worked at the lottery, we had a similar, it wasn't the same as a gaming badge, but it was similar. So in both of those instances, the background checks were and what was required and what a acceptable background could be was actually in our case mapped out by state statute there was a lottery mm-hmm. law there was a casino law and both of they were each different um but it, it 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 listed out the parameters and it was very it was very clear and it was very open and it was very transparent um so that any applicants, you know, we had it linked on our on our career page. Hey, this position requires you you get a gaming license, and here's here's what you have to basically have to pass. You cannot have this 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 in your background. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it worked in that way because it was so very black and white, um, mm-hmm. and it was you know it was just a necessity of of doing the doing business one of the um one of the um interesting aspects um and this was i think probably very louisiana specific was um that there were there was all this language around um the reason that this was done was also um to get people of like you know sound sound moral character type of thing mm-hmm. so you know it was it was interesting, um, and, but and yeah, probably so we, not, we in particular. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you did you feel? I guess I know. And we we wanted to talk about something else, and we talked about this a long time. Um, did you feel it was effective? Because like I always, I mean, I you know, I mean, I I guess I was always, you know, when I I, I was concerned whenever anybody turned up with a you know with a conviction and that kind of thing, you know, yeah. but you wanted to talk to him about it and kind of find out a little bit more about it. Yeah. Some things were clearly just not, you know, they just were outside the, you know, the bounds that we could, that we would accept back when I yeah. we were doing this stuff. But did you find it effective tool or? I did. I, I did find it an effective tool um, because even, even though there were certain, you know, so there were certain things um, um, that were especially, um, you know, very black and white, you know, any crime of theft mm-hmm. or something. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you know, you're done. Um, 
because there were just certain things you weren't going to get. The state police was, were right. not going to give you a gaming license. But we also at the casino had, um, you know, not everybody, not every position needed a gaming license. Um, it's just different in some states. In some states, if you work mm-hmm. at a casino, no matter your job, you need a gaming license. Louisiana was not like that. So we had certain positions that did not need the, quote, gaming license, the, um, you know, uh, food and beverage people, cooks, bartenders, whatever. You know, they, the housekeepers, you know, they didn't need it. But we still did a, we still did a background check. Um, but we did – it was like kind of doing a background check anywhere else where we had a little more leeway. Um mm-hmm. There were things. There were some things that were still an absolute, um, because even though they didn't need a gaming license, there still were things that state police would not let that person be on prop necessarily be on property. You know, um, you know, you murderer or something, um, or you embezzled, you know, fifty thousand dollars or something. Um, but then there were those sort of gray areas where, like any other. Employer, you know, you do that post offer back criminal background check, mm-hmm. and then you have a conversation with the person. Hey, you know, this just ha- tell me about this conviction. I saw it happen, you know, because the stuff the report you would get back would be very kind of vague or have a you know police language or something. Um, so, like anything else, it was you know, tell me about it. What were the circumstances behind it? Um, what happened? And we had the ability to, um, and 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 I firmly believed in this. Let's talk talk to the person, have them explain it. It may be something that does not preclude them from working here. Um, right. And and there were certainly some situations where, you know, people would say, and I always, you know, kind of give people the trust. Oh my God, I was, you know. 18 and stupid and I did this and my friend and I did that and yeah it's on my record and you know here's what happened and here's how I changed after that you know what good come join us you know um but we had to have a conversation about it yeah so we have about four minutes left and we were going to do another topic. I don't know that we have time to even introduce it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so. let, let's do it as just a real quick close because I think it's kind of interesting because um, it is kind of a kind of a uh, we're we're talking hot topics today and and there's a resource out there for people um, that I that was shared with me yesterday actually. So and that's you know what do you what do you do when you're and this is kind of the same think about it Dollar General right but. What do you do when when there's when your company or your brand um, kind of implodes <laughs> and you right. have casualties related to it and and people that are out of work and people you know potential candidates that will want nothing to do with you anymore so um you know we work um you know their their um implosion if you will. Um, you know, now saying that they are preparing to cut at least 4,000 people, um, right. starting to announce those, you know, this week. Um, interestingly enough, I, I saw a friend of mine put on Facebook that he got a call this morning from a recruiter who wanted to talk to him about being the area manager for WeWork in South Texas. Um, hmm. So, they, they, you know, people are leaving, and but they still, you know, 
<laughs> they're laying people they're, off. They're still going to try to run the business, sure. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> Jewel, it, yeah, um, and then Jewel, the vaping people, um, mm-hmm. um, announced that they're planning to cut 500 jobs by the end of the year. And just so here's here's the resource I got yesterday. Um, folks that are at Jewel that are already being told they are being laid off, there is a giant spreadsheet that is circulating of these folks, and people are putting their names and their contact information, what they do and what they're looking for, and where they live and or where they would reload um, on this giant spreadsheet. So it's kind of a, you know what, um, and 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 I got it from an HR person. You know, so their HR so people the, are helping to is, kind of this facilitate is a group of this. employees that are coming together to create this list themselves, as yep. opposed to some sort of yep. company. Okay, you think you know that's yep. a tactic that's becoming more and more common. Baristas, I yep. think, in New York, started a list about sharing what their wages were. You know, from company to company, mm-hmm. um, and and it's it resides you know somewhere on a central server, so that if you're a barista in New York and you want to know what your you know your competitors beyond Starbucks are being making. You can look it up there. It's interesting that they're taking those kind of concerted activities to, to help themselves. Yeah, yep. Well, we uh, we have wrapped up hot topics, I would say. So this was a this was a throwback show. So I'm Robin Schooling saying goodbye and. And I'm Mike Vandervoort saying say goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> have a good afternoon, everyone. All right. Talk next week on Drive Through HR. Okay. Bye. Bye.